0: Welcome
1: to... Tech Jr. Hey, everybody. Got a uh, really interesting show today. Uh, we're learning about AWS and Amplify with Curtis Kempel, He was a developer advocate for AWS. And then Kurt is going to talk to us about his story getting into development and how he did that as somebody with a uh, felony record and, and being an ex-convict. So uh, if anybody out there has a similar background, I think has some excellent advice for you out there. Uh, If you want to support the show, uh, please go to our site at techjr.dev and click subscribe uh, to get an email about um, new episodes and other goodies from us. And then tweet us at techjrpodcast, leave a review on iTunes, and tell all your friends. Anything that you can do to spread the word about the show is greatly appreciated. Welcome to Tech Junior. My name is Lee Work, Full Stack JavaScript Developer. I have with me, as always, Eddie.
0: Hey, it's Eddie. I'm a front end developer.
1: And uh, we have with yeah. us special guest. We've got a uh, developer advocate for AWS, uh, Curtis Kemple. Uh Curt, if you could introduce yourself.
2: Hey, everybody. How's it going?
1: So, Curt, uh, what what do you do for for AWS? Like, what is a developer advocate's job?
2: Yeah, so it's really uh, twofold. Um, the first half is kind of helping um, people be successful with the the whichever products we happen to be advocating for. For me, I'm on the mobile team, so that's Amplify, um, AppSync, which is a GraphQL API service, and Device Farm, which is for testing mobile apps. Uh, and so it's just to like kind of make sure that um, uh, uh, the content exists for the use cases that you know people need. And on the flip side of that is to, you know, uh, talk to developers using it, see what they like, what they don't like, uh, you know, boil that information down into something actionable and and bring that back to the product teams so we can make sure the roadmap, you know, reflects what the community actually needs. Awesome. Yeah, whenever,
1: um, whenever we got in touch and uh, realized that you're a dev advocate for AWS, my first instinct was to just bring you on the show and just hammer you about how hard it is to use AWS. <laughs> um because it's if there's so many services and uh I went to a, a talk recently where somebody said like they don't even bother going to the AWS conference because like all the information is there's too much of it and it's all brand new all the time or or something like that. So um mm-hmm. I did catch uh your live stream earlier though with uh with Jason Langstorf um working with Amplify. So maybe if you could tell folks like kind of what the mission is uh with Amplifying and, and what you guys are doing.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's not uncommon that uh, we hear that, right? That AWS is a lot to take in. Uh, and then even at the, the implementation level, a lot of the SDKs are, are pretty low level and, and cover a wide range of those you know, many services that you mentioned. So the goal of Amplify is to help uh, people who work closer to the UI, right? To the front of the stack, whether that be mobile or web developers take advantage of all these uh, awesome AWS services without having to have that kind of in-depth knowledge or, or be also pretty versed in DevOps. Um, so yeah, so Amplify breaks um, uh, these services into kind of groups uh, based on a workflow, like handling something like authentication, analytics, or setting up an API. And uh, basically just asks you some questions from the command line, builds the cloud formation templates, which for those who don't know is kind of like infrastructure as code. Uh, It's just a bunch of JSON files that define what infrastructure should be deployed. Uh, And so, yeah, so it just kind of uh, gets all of the infrastructure and technical glue code and configuration out of your way so you can focus on building the product, but still take advantage of those, you know, uh, solid uh, AWS services that other companies get to use.
1: So would you say that Amplify is kind of like maybe the your best bet for if you haven't tried AWS before, like maybe you should take a look at Amplify first?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's just creating cloud formation templates for the most part. Um, And so, yeah, uh, if uh, you're someone who's more versed in the back end and you like DevOps stuff, but you still are just starting out with Amplify and you want to get a project off the ground quickly, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong, you can build plenty of uh, 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 stuff with it and it's, you know, production ready. Because, again, it's just doing nothing but spinning up AWS services that you would otherwise go and configure yourself. But you can look through the CloudFormation templates and the configuration and start to learn your way back, essentially.
1: Cool. So I guess for anybody out there that's not 100% up to speed on like this whole cloud revolution which you know may not be a whole lot of people but uh in a nutshell AWS offers like a lot of micro like cloud-based environments so a little bit of uh server rack space somewhere in the in the cloud that uh your your functions or your server or database or whatever will run on is that accurate?
2: Um, yeah, so most of the stuff that's going through Amplify is relatively uh, serverless, like AppSync. Um, the whole GraphQL API is serverless, which is basically um, pay for what you compute. Essentially, like uh, if nothing is is being requested, then you're not paying for anything. But yeah, AWS also lets you uh, like maintain your own virtual servers if you want and keep long living applications, um, as well. Like, uh, maybe you have, you know, applications that are listening in on, you know, queues or something like that, but whatever you want to do, you can do it. But yeah, there's an explosion towards serverless because, uh, it kind of scales with you, right? That, that pay as you use model is, uh, really nice. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've definitely run up against using stuff like, um, Ocean, for instance, where, okay, I just want to deploy, you know, a node server and kind of, play around with it and all of a sudden I'm getting like $5 a month bills for a a project I'm not even using. Right. So with, uh, with Amazon, what's nice is that, um, you know, you're not getting, it's kind of like the electric company where you get billed for usage and not necessarily just for having the service active.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It it makes the services a commodity, right. And that's kind of the beauty of it, but great analogy.
1: Also, uh, it's good to know that, you know, you're, Website isn't running on like your boss's computer under his desk or something. It's <laughs> uh, it's, it's backed by Amazon, so uh, the the outage possibility is is a lot lower, I would think.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then there's really no issue with scale. So if you become the next Pokemon Go, you know, <laughs> you're 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 on the infrastructure to uh, scale with that demand.
1: Can you uh can you dive into kind of what scaling means just briefly for anybody that's unfamiliar?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, depending on the size of your server, which essentially a server is a computer, right, with a given amount of uh, disk space and a given amount of memory. Um, And depending on how much traffic that you get to that uh, particular application running on a server, you can use up uh, eventually all of the uh, resources available. And at that point, you need to do what's called scaling, which you can either scale horizontally, which means you increase the amount of memory and hard disk space that's available, or you scale um, vertically, which is spinning up um, uh, new instances, right? And so, or maybe I said that backwards. No, that's right. And so essentially <laughs> uh you would run another server and then spin up the application on that as well. Uh and then you could kind of offset that load by having more of the same application available to take requests.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's um that's a really nice feature to have. Like you said, if all of a sudden, you know, let's say something goes viral and it blows up overnight. Um, again, if it's on that computer under your boss's desk, yeah, you may get a, a surge in traffic and then you get a uh, an error, or you run out of memory or something, and then boom, your site's down, and now you, you you're getting that 3 a.m. phone call. Um, yeah. But with mm-hmm. AWS, you know, there's lots of cool things that uh, can handle that scaling for you automatically without you having to worry about it.
2: Yeah no no one uh, wants to be buzzed on pager duty,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm definitely in the camp of like front end people that. Uh, I've only messed with JavaScript. Uh, I've only messed with typically like monolith applications where I've got like a node server that's doing everything, including serving the front end. So um, I've always been kind of intrigued by AWS and like Lambda functions and all that good stuff. Uh, And I've done a little bit of work with Amplify, but um, typically what I hear is a lot of people talk about uh, the serverless framework. So how uh, how does Amplify compare with that?
2: So that's a a bit of like apples and oranges in a sense, Um, only because while Amplify does kind of create and spin up uh, the backend infrastructure, it goes beyond that as well. Um, Where it offers a lot of uh, configuration and assistive either tooling or in the case of like popular frameworks, like libraries built to work with React, Vue, Angular, iOS, and Android, uh, where it's all integrated for you, like across the whole stack, which is really what we're calling full stack serverless. Uh, and what that means is, you know, you get like drop-in authentication flows that just connect and are connected to your user pool. Or if people want to upload files, you know, it automatically knows who the user is and is putting it into their bucket specifically. Um, it offers, you know, the really granular auth experience when defining uh, your schema. And then it gener- can generate, cogen all of the client side, like uh, queries, mutations, and subscriptions that go along with that. And so it's definitely more than just like deploying infrastructure, but that's kind of where serverless framework is, is in the, the backend realm, right? Which is cool. And okay. uh, it does essentially does the same thing. You can spin up AWS infrastructure like Lambda functions um, with it, but you don't have as tight of an integration, if that makes sense. So like I can, from Amplify, spin up a GraphQL API and create a Lambda function and then use that Lambda function as a field in my GraphQL API, all without having to know or use Amplify console. So I do all of that from the CLI and then just in like my code editor.
1: Cool. So um, Mm. maybe it's a little bit better at getting you up to speed and running faster than, than something like the serverless framework.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, it's a, a bit like apples and oranges because they're um, accomplishing where serverless framework is very focused in on the part of infrastructure and it's already built to run cross platform. Like you can also use it for um, Azure and uh, Google Cloud, I believe as well. So it's a bit different and Amplify is actually plugin based. You can create plugins to work with other uh, uh, back end services, which are infrastructure providers, which other people don't Uh, Really, no. Um, But most of it, you know, uh, the the AWS plugin stuff is all built to work together. So it's just a seamless environment, almost is a better terminology, um, you know, that uh, of development. So basically, you just write product code, you don't really ever have to worry about anything else.
1: That seems pretty nice from somebody that hasn't really done a deep dive into AWS.
2: Yeah. That's, I mean, I love it. Um, I've, I worked with AWS at multiple other companies. I was at major league soccer for quite a long time and I was the tech lead of the UI team. Uh, but yeah. I was also doing a lot of full stack stuff, especially at like the, um, API gateway layer. Um, and you know, just also working on, on backend services and the amount of time we would spend configuring things in AWS, uh, was a decent amount and, you know, amplify, uh, had I known about it or had it been around then um, would have been a real lifesaver. Even if you know AWS really well, it still just lets you do things faster. Yeah.
1: Well, you get the advantage of the, you know, AWS team is maintaining Amplify. So as configurations change, like they're just handling that, you know, in the versions. You got it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All best practices around like authentication and stuff built in, you know, it's just all handled for you.
1: Cool. So um the other question I kind of had about it was uh, I know that there's this whole kind of problem with uh local development with um cloud based stuff. So yeah. does Amplify have a solution for that?
2: So it is so funny that you should ask that because that literally just <laughs> got released. Um wow. and now you can lo yeah, you can locally mock. I I literally just recorded a video. It's not out yet, it'll be on YouTube later today. Cause yeah, I was talking about that with uh Jason. Um but he he didn't have Java installed, so like we couldn't do the local mocking because it uses like SQLite, so it's like a uh, as the database store. Okay. Uh, but but so but I recorded a video and I'm gonna put it up later it showing how you use mocking in Amplify, so you can mock out um, serverless functions, GraphQL API, storage like file, um, video and um, audio storage, uh, and like a couple other things.
1: Does that uh, does that? Sync up with AWS automatically, or are you kind of safe to to play around with it
2: on local environment without even talking to AWS? Oh no, you're you're safe to play with it. It's all local, so until you save your changes, like say you're working on your GraphQL API, so you're mocking it, you have it just spun up uh, locally, and uh, you're changing the schema, you're adding like more more models or types, and you get it the way it's right. You, you would save the schema and then you run a command called amplify push. And that is what takes the local cloud formation um, templates and pushes them up to AWS and deploys that. But it all uh, amplify also supports what's called multiple environments. So, cause you still wouldn't want to like test against the same GraphQL API that your production app is on. Right. Right. You want like a staging or a dev environment. Uh, so you can create, multiple environments and it will essentially just redeploy all of the you know functions or apis or whatever services you're using with all the proper permissions for that environment as well and then you can just move between them kind of like a git workflow you just check out an environment awesome yeah yeah it's pretty pretty wild stuff
1: yeah that seems like it would be a crucial thing for just learning how to work with all those services absolutely um, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got a, an interest in like you know running Lambda functions and also hooking that into like API Gateway and uh, yeah. DynamoDB and stuff. And it seems like a really good solution for that.
2: It, there's literally a preset uh, in the CLI to do exactly what you just said. <laughs> Create a serverless function, run it through API Gateway, and make it accessible to uh, underlying DynamoDB instance. And it's like you just open up the function, it's all pre-configured for you, and you just start writing the, the code.
1: Awesome. Does it, yeah. uh, I, I'm sure it does, but can you tie it into like S3 for file storage? Yeah,
2: yeah so if you set up storage uh, ahead of time, like when you go to create your serverless function, it will ask you if there's any other um, categories that you want that function to interact with. And so then all the relevant information about that S3 um, instance like, would be available uh, to you inside the serverless function and like environment variables.
1: This sounds uh, pretty dang great um it it is
2: pretty dang great and that's what i'm saying in the last months i mean you know and i can't take any credit right i'm just the one who gets to talk about it uh you know but i mean the teams uh behind this stuff they're just crushing it and they're just so amazing uh to work with
1: yeah i was uh pleasantly surprised by the the amplify stuff that i got to work with um at my job just doing like uh authentication and whatnot uh we we really got things tidied up by using Amplify. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of dig into this and we'll definitely include in the show notes, like this, this video that you have messing with the mock environment and, um, yeah, are the, are the docs up to date for Amplify or yeah. is that in the works or?
2: Yeah. 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 So anything that's like released like that officially, which this, like I just retweeted it probably yesterday, I think, um, they just released it like officially. So there's always docs with it once it's released officially and it, it'll be, uh, uh in the in the tweet as well. It'll have the docs.
1: Great. I will definitely like link to them. I'll definitely include all that in the show notes so people can uh clone down Amplify or, or install it through NPM or something and, and get started and you know mess around with it.
2: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
1: Cool. Um so the other part that we wanted to talk about today, um aside from AWS and and kind of the the current strides from that. Actually before we get into that, uh real quick what's the uh what's the current goal or what's on the horizon for AWS before we get into this other stuff on the on the agenda
2: oh uh, i'm actually not really like allowed to say too much about roadmap stuff um because uh uh they get like they want to make sure things are ready before they release it's like a big AWS thing but i That's will fair. say that there yeah there is some some really cool stuff that was just released uh that no one really still knows about Um, that I think I'm more excited about than the stuff that's coming up, which is the predictions category, which allows you, uh, to take advantage of machine learning, uh, services in AWS from the client. So like you get, yeah. So you can convert like text to, to audio or audio to text, uh, convert text to other languages uh there's image recognition there's a recognition service so you can do like um uh like object labeling uh you can check whether or not content is safe or not so say you're going to let you know you have a site and you want people to upload photos but you want to make sure the content is appropriate uh you can now from the client like run the image through recognition and then make sure that it's safe content before uh you allow them to actually finish the upload so you know a lot of yeah. Really neat stuff. Um, and yeah, so I'd rather get the voice out or, or around that right now. Cause I can't wait to see what people build with that. That's
1: really cool. That's um, cool. I didn't realize that, uh, Amazon had like their own machine learning services.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they're making, they're going to make, you know, more and more of them available over time. I just can't say like which ones and when I don't have those specifics. So is
1: that like uh, you get like an API key or something and then you can hit those APIs or how does that yeah, work? Yeah,
2: and that's, that's pretty much you nailed it. So what would happen is you set it up through Amplify and uh, depending on how the authorization setup needs to work, you can specify if only logged in people like auth people or guests can also access it. In which case, yeah, I would just use an API key. Uh, but all that is kind of uh created for you and then uh stored in in a file called um a w s exports and uh that's get ignored but you can just pull all of those um properties out and store them as environment variables uh and then it just like still works awesome yeah it's pretty neat
1: what's um what's the pricing like for that is it uh is it pretty competitive
2: yeah oh yeah i mean you know a w s so he's uh, gonna have uh good pricing that's like you know one of the the main things right uh with aws is is pricing and you don't pay anything specific for using amplify right and so all it does is create those aws services so really uh you're just paying for the underlying services and the same uh amount as if you had you know went into the console and set it up yourself so there's like no surprise pricing or anything like that
1: yeah i imagine it's like pennies per thousand API calls or something like that
2: yeah it depends like if you look like at the amount for like the app sync requests amounts I'm not going to say what it is because I don't know off the top of my head and I can't say that but I do know for like Cognito for users it's 50 you pay uh, you get the first 50,000 active users a month free yeah does the uh that means they had to have like actually done something. So if they signed up for your app and didn't come back in a month, you don't pay for that user. You only pay for the ones that like log in or oh, like access cool. something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That have some kind of, you know, action happen against them.
1: And it's yeah, 50,000 of them. I know a lot of the services have like a free tier to them so you can kind of yep. play around with them without really worrying about having to pay like exactly. a monthly bill. Does yeah. the uh, predictions yeah. API also have that?
2: Yeah, most thing yeah. almost everything has, you know, free tier. And then uh the yeah, like uh you can also spin up like Elasticsearch, you know, if you want stuff that are searchable. And like that's a more of a, a more pricey um service. So you just want to check and, and like make sure you still should understand the pricing. You don't have to know AWS like the back of your hands, but make sure you know how the pricing works so you don't get surprised.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um but still, I mean it's a really great thing to have those free tiers so you can at least like jump in and kind of get your hands, uh, hands dirty with some of the services.
2: Absolutely. And then because a lot of the stuff is pay as you use as well, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, uh, generally very cost effective, right? which is why we see so many people using it. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So, um, Eddie, any other, uh, AWS questions or any?
0: No, I have so little experience with this stuff. I'm just listening and learning. <laughs>
1: but, but will you try it now that we've kind of
2: talked oh, about yeah,
0: it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm interested in Amplify, so I'm, I might actually get into that.
2: Yeah, that'd be awesome. If you, if you have any um, questions, but, hit me up.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, sure. I just like was Googling stuff as you guys were talking. So. Nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, Amplify
1: is uh, available on NPM, so you can just like pull it into your, uh, to your local Node environment and kind of play around with it. All right, cool. So, um, that being said, like, yes, we love AWS. Uh, we use it at work. Um, I use it for this podcast, even, uh, all our files are, are hosted on S3. Um, yeah. but aside from that, we also wanted to talk to Kurt, uh, because he has a, I would say a non-traditional path that he got into development. <laughs> yeah, that's um, fair. And we've, we've actually gotten a lot of people in our community here in Orlando that, uh, have asked us like if we have any advice um, on having like a, a background similar to Kurt's. So um, Kurt, if you want to kind of take it away and, and tell us uh, how, how you got into development, how you ended up working for AWS.
2: Yeah, I guess we should start with the background and similar so people who are out there who are unfamiliar uh, know what you're referencing to. Uh, so essentially, it's people who have uh, felony records, right? Uh, I guess ex-convicts for lack of a better term. I was incarcerated, um, for about six and a half years, uh, from my, Oh, I guess like mid, like early twenties. I believe I was, uh, 24 when I not 22 when I was incarcerated and 28 when I was released. Yeah. So yeah. So early twenties through most of my twenties. Um, yeah. And so, it can be difficult to understand not, you know, it's hard to break into tech industry uh, as is, but it's even harder when you have a felony record. And then it gets even harder if you're not as privileged as I am to be like a middle-aged white guy, right? Straight white guy. So, uh, you know, at least I had that going for me, but there's a lot of people who have other hurdles on top of being um, ex-cons who are trying to break into the industry. And it's extremely difficult. Um, so yeah, so that's the background. So how I got into tech was while I was incarcerated. Um, I kind of, when I'll roll it all the way back when I got sentenced, I'll start from there. Uh, it was definitely a day that I'll never forget, you know, it was one of the most impactful days of my life, but, uh, I had already been held in jail for almost a year. Uh, and then I got sentenced to five to seven years, you know, I would get my time served for being in jail but i realized that like no matter what even if i was perfect behavior um i just lost half a decade of my life uh and that was like a real eye opener for me uh before that i struggled very heavily with uh drug addiction and depression um anxiety like you name it it was it was pretty much there and uh so after that year of kind of Uh, being sober and being held in jail and the fog kind of lifting this is the way I, i i look at it like my brain was very foggy i didn't have very good thought processes going on so as that started to clear up and then i got sentenced i kind of said right there like hey um all right, you're in here, you, you know, there's nothing you can do about that now. The only thing that you can do is not waste the time, right? Like you can't go in there and sit on your butt and do nothing because then you really did lose five years. So you need to take advantage of any opportunity, any program that becomes available to make sure that when you get out, you're as well prepared um, for re-entering into society as you can possibly be. So you're not as far behind as you would as if like, you know, you did nothing. Uh so that was essentially the the talk I gave to myself. Uh and I stuck to it. I uh signed up for every program that I could possibly um uh get into like I learned how to weld, I took carpentry, plumbing, electrical, wow. landscape design, dog training, Wow. Um, they do yeah, dog uh, training in prison? Yeah, dog training.
0: That's crazy. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, business classes. I took a bunch of business classes. Um, oh, my gosh. Like, anything that became available. And then eventually, oh, so I, I like, before that was not very good with computers. So, like, the whole, like, two-finger typing type thing. Uh, and really <laughs> all I did was, like, download MP3s, like, before I got locked <laughs> up. Like, I didn't know how to use a computer really beyond that. Uh Zencaster. <laughs> and so, yeah, so or no, not Zencaster. What was it called? Um Napster. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Limewire. Yeah. yeah, Limewire. That's yeah, yeah. Exactly. Don't, yes.
1: Don't come after me, FBI. I know, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So that was like the extent of my computer knowledge. So I took typing class. I learned how to type. I took um like uh um uh, classes on how to use uh Microsoft um, products like word and excel and all that stuff and so after i took those i took an intro to networking and started like learning more about uh computer intro to computers and like how to install operating systems all that long story short eventually i took an intro to web development class uh and now you have no internet in prison you're not allowed to have that So we just had like these old books that just like taught you how to do HTML and CSS and a little bit of JavaScript. But I'll never forget like when I uh, first opened up an HTML file and made an H1 tag that said hello world, saved it, refreshed the browser, and it was there. It just like blew my mind that like, you know, all these things started firing off and I'm like, oh, that's how the internet works, right? So it's really just reading files, but they just come from other computers. I was like blown away. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I was just hooked from there and, uh, my teacher was super cool and would just like bring in on a flash drive, just like data, like just, you just get data and I would just build websites around it. So like one was just like basically like an encyclopedia of animals and like animal type of animal description of the animal, uh, pictures of the animals. And I just built like a website. I made like a zoo website. And like cool. all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. And uh I was hooked, you know, but eventually I burned through the stuff that I had uh, and I wanted more. So like I would order books online. So I would like work to make money to order books. So I would do like things like uh do tattoos or like another big way to make money. If you have any artistic talent is to draw envelopes for people. So like when they mail uh letters home to their family, they have like cool designs or nice designs on them.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's basically you get 25 cents for an envelope. <laughs> huh. Yeah, wow. that's like the going rate and you pay like with stamps.
1: Oh, Where the okay. the other prisoners were
2: would pay me you to make like a, envelopes. I'd put like a rose on it with like their girlfriend's name or something or their wife's name. <laughs> okay. Or like whatever it would be, but it would be done up like really cool and fancy.
1: That is that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Was your uh was your instructor also a convict or was that like a
2: no, he was just a guy, just a cool guy uh who wanted to make some extra money so he could backpack uh like hike the Appalachian Appalachian Trail. So is oh, he really? like
1: hired by the by the prison? To... He was
2: he was a community college teacher. And yes, yeah, so like these programs, like so the way prisons work um is uh I'm not gonna dive too deep into this, although it is a huge problem, but um mm. most prisons are actually privately owned and operated. Yeah. Right. Uh, so they, they find, so what they do is like, they have a nonprofit side that will get grants and like money from the government by having programs. So like, they'll like get teachers to volunteer from community colleges or like work. Right. And they get paid like, you know, uh, not too much, but they get paid some money. And then like the, they'll have a program where they give us like really crappy books and they pay the teachers, but then the rest of the money goes to the prison. Right. Like, um, so hmm. it, it it was it was kind of useful, but like you know, oftentimes some of the teachers weren't the best teachers because they really didn't care. They were just there to like collect the check, uh, and then you have teachers um, like him who who if you showed an interest, they would help you as much as they could. It was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it sounds um, it sounds like there was some some opportunity there that you definitely dug your heels in and, and took every advantage of. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but it, that, I mean, it is prison at the end of the day. So, <laughs> uh, it it kind of sounds great when you describe it, but I I imagine it was terrible. Yeah, it was and, pretty pretty bad. Um, yeah. do you mind telling folks like what what you got convicted for? Or,
2: uh, no. So, uh, basically, I my as I mentioned, I had a drug addiction. Um, and so my favorite drug of choice at that time was something called Xanax, which is a barbiturate. It's actually used to help reduce anxiety uh, for people. And if you take way too much of it, it can really make you go crazy and oftentimes black out. Uh, and I would black out quite often. And so one day I just woke up with, in jail. Uh, I had no idea why I was there. And uh, I was like freaking out. And then you know somebody was like, hey, your paperwork is under your pillow. So I looked there and apparently um, my charges were like robbery um, and then possession of like drugs and some other stuff but the robbery was like what the heck and then but really it turns out i used a note i like tried to um rob a place with a note and then so that's like how i ended up incarcerated (laughs) it's
1: it's not funny i i sympathize with you but uh yeah, yeah it's
2: it's not it's definitely not funny um and it's also like i hope that everyone listening understands like I made a lot of bad choices that got me where it was. So I mentioned the blackout just because I want people to understand like the impacts of like uh drug addiction can have and like how, how it can cause you to do things that you would otherwise never normally do. But I still put myself in that situation by taking all of those uh, drugs. And so, you know, full responsibility on me. And that was one of the things that I first had to overcome was like, uh, I grew up, you know, very poor. Uh, and with like a real sense of like entitlement, like, you know, essentially, you know, why is this happening to me? You know, why was I never able to do X, Y, or Z? And like, you know, this isn't my fault, blah, 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 blah. So that was like the first part was like the acceptance of, um, uh, for my actions, right? Like taking ownership of my own actions. So yeah, I don't, I laugh now because like, it helps deal with it a little bit and it's been so long that to look back, I'm just like, geez, like I cannot believe this, you know? But (laughs) yeah, like, no, that was not fun at the time. That was, uh, you know, you wake up in jail, you got no reason why you're there. That's terrifying.
1: Yeah. It's kind of a, like the absurdity of it is, is a little comical, but uh, it's kind of also like, if you're not laughing, you're crying kind of thing. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. I would imagine at least. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, the thing is like you know you make one bad decision, I mean, in your case, sure it was more than one, but yeah. one critically bad decision, and uh you know it's life altering and then you know the hope is that you go to prison and you're they say rehabilitated but, yeah uh I know that that is definitely not always the case, and if anything, we make it harder on uh felons and and ex convicts and stuff whenever they get out because they've got this background following them everywhere.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, in the United States, and it's starting to get a little bit better. We're nowhere near where we need to be with it. Um, But yeah, it's definitely really bad because for most places, you can't really get good employment. The the system is not really set up to rehabilitate, because you know when you think about it, prisons are are private, right? And so they run on profit and. If they rehabilitate everyone who comes to their doors, eventually they run out of profit because there's no one to uh uh incarcerate, right? Yeah. So, so the only reason they put together programs uh is to get more money coming in, to be honest, right? It's like to have a bigger budget to get more money from the government. Uh and so you end up in this situation where unless you try really hard, and you have to really try really hard in prison to come out better than. Than when you went in uh it's a an environment where there's also a lot of people who don't want to do better and they don't want to see you do better right misery loves company so it's a real kind of um uh like tightrope that you have to walk uh to make sure that you're doing what you need to do to better yourself but you're doing it essentially under the radar so that you don't draw the attention of people who might want to sabotage what you're doing for yourself
1: man
0: so um how did you get that first job and what are some of the challenges huh. Uh it that? took
2: it, yeah yeah it took me over 2 years to get my first job in wow. development after release Um yeah so after I was released I continued to I really took off then once I had access to the internet I just started you know taking any course and everything I could and building a million websites just doing whatever I could uh to up my skills essentially um but yeah i i didn't feel comfortable even applying for a development job then so granted i have no entry into the industry at all i didn't know anyone that was a programmer i didn't know uh, you know that like there was a whole wide world of it i i had no idea what to expect so to me i could only relate it to things that i knew which was kind of like electrical or plumbing or carpentry where like you have to have a decent amount of knowledge up front uh to really be able to like get a good job doing it so I kept working away at it. I I actually went to community college too for graphic design once I got out because the things that I built didn't really look great. So, um, but I went, (laughs) I only went for a year uh, because once I got like, like prison had taught me how to like, once you get the base information to like, then go figure out what you need to on your own. Um, So I just stopped going um, after a year and just continued to learn that online as well. Um but yeah I worked uh, a lot of jobs in between getting my first development job and getting uh out. So I got out January 2010 and I didn't get my first development job until sometime in uh 2013 I want to say.
1: So um looking at it from this angle 12, like where yeah. where we're at now, you know, developer advocate for AWS like fantastic job. Um, yeah. looking back, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But from the point where you were released, uh, looking forward, like what made you stick with development? Because it would, from my point of view, seem like you're facing kind of insurmountable odds with background checks and, uh, companies that are just like, oh, you're a, you're a convict. Like, no, sorry, we can't take you on here. You know, what, what kept you in, um, the mindset that like, I'm going to be a developer and uh, kind of kept you on that track
2: yeah all the other skills that I had were related around something physical uh I was a cook or construction before I got locked up and then everything I learned while I was locked up um was around some sort of physical trade and everyone who I spoke to who was like a teacher there basically they were teachers there because they had done that trade for a long time and now their bodies like were really beat up so they became teachers So they didn't have to be doing it anymore. And it's like, so it's either go that route and try and like own my own business so that I'm not the one swinging the hammer every day um, or find a a job in a field that is, you know, is something. And I just loved coding. Like I loved it. Um, uh, Like I said, I was addicted when I first found it and I couldn't, I just didn't think I'd be happy doing anything else.
1: So just kind of, determined, I guess, to, to land that first job.
2: Yeah. Very determined. And, uh, you know, I knew that no matter what my background would only be able to affect me for so long, whether that's two years or 10 years, you know, I knew eventually I'd be able to get a job eventually. Um, so I stuck with it, but I worked a bunch of part-time jobs in between then. It's so like, um, and that was hard. It was really hard not to go back to prison the first two years. Wow. Yeah, I had a uh, parole, um, but I had to, I didn't have a license or a car. And they wanted me to get to uh, um, Newark, New Jersey. I was in New Jersey. I got released up to my grandmother's house, which is like an hour and 15 minutes away from where I lived. And I had to go there once a week.
1: Wow. <laughs> Jeez. With to no start. license and no car.
2: Yeah. 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 So it's just things like that. It's just set up. And they want you to be employed. And like, I can't get a job. Because every time I try to get a job, I have to check that, you know, felony checkbox and, yeah. uh, then they don't call you back. So what I started doing was checking no, and then I would get hired, but they would do the background check. So I would get fired. So I just kept constantly applying. Wow. And then I would work somewhere for a couple of weeks and get fired, work somewhere for a couple of weeks and get fired, work somewhere for a couple of weeks and get fired. And they would always say, it would always be the same conversation and be like, oh, we wish you didn't, you know, lie about it, you know, because we could keep you on You're a fan. You're like our hardest worker. Uh, cause people just get out, they got a lot to prove, like once you were trying to do well and they'll work so hard, so hard. Um, yeah, but yeah. So anyway, and I, it was always the same response. Like, you know, every time I check, yes, I never get called back. So here we are. Can I have my check?
1: <laughs> <laughs> How did you, uh, how'd you get your first development job? Like yeah. what was the break there?
2: So it, uh, it was, it was like a weird break. So what happened was I just kept applying at places and then they would do background checks. Right. Um, or they would mention a background check. So I got real clever about it. So what I would do is like, I would say, um, oh, you know, um, I, I, I'd like to see, like get all the paperwork done and see the insurance and stuff and make sure everything's hundred percent. Okay. Uh, before I say yes or no, because like I'm entertaining these other offers or something and I want to see what the insurance looks like. And I want to make sure that we get all the, all the paperwork handled and all that done, hoping that they would like give me all of it. Cause normally that's when you get the background check. And then if I get that paperwork, you know, uh, then I'm like, oh crap. Um, so what I did though, uh, was, uh, I just interviewed at a company and they never gave me background check information. Uh, And then what happened was uh, two weeks later, they go, we forgot to uh, fill out your background check information. So I've been there for two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the same day. uh, So this was a while ago. This was like when mobile development for especially for web was like just getting to be a thing, Uh, like when jQuery mobile was like how you built mobile web apps. And uh, yeah, and they were like, (laughs) hey, we have this project. We have this client design. We want you to try and build it in jQuery mobile. And it was like supposed to be like two or three weeks, like a spike, like an MVP, just to see if we thought it was possible. And, uh, uh, so then they gave me, so they gave me that project. And then later in the day, the background information thing came up. So I was like, all right, well, this really sucks. Uh, I want to keep this job. So what I did was I went home and I worked on that project all night. Uh, I stayed up literally the entire night and I completed it and I brought it back to my boss and I said, Hey, Here's the project that you want to done in two weeks. Uh, when you run my background check, it's going to come back that I have a felony, but here's how hard I'm willing to work to keep this job. And wow. uh, yeah, so they had like this big meeting, like it was crazy. Jeez. Yeah. So now I'm sitting, you know, like in his office and like these higher ups are having a meeting about basically my fate, uh, you know, at the company. And it just, it, it kept me on. Right. Um, and I worked really hard for them. Uh, for like a half a year. And like atmosphere was just really weird though. After that, it was just, and it could all be in my head. It could be anxiety, but I just felt like people were looking at me a little bit differently, you know, cause like a big thing had been made about it. Like maybe if they had handled it, like not like a war room meeting, you know what I mean?
1: Uh <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, a little dramatic. Honestly.
2: Yeah, it was super <laughs> dramatic and it really put me on the spot. And I just felt weird. Like I wasn't going to lunch with my coworkers anymore. And like, I just felt like people were like looking at me weird, you know? So I started looking for new jobs. and But once I had that one job, it was a bit easier um, because then I had the security of, of a paid job. So then I was able mm-hmm. to kind of like more freely look. And then from then on, it's always been the same thing. I would uh, want to, you know, switch jobs. I'd get a job. Uh, And then I would have to hope they didn't do a background check. Um, But now it's been long enough that in most States uh, they can't check. Like I, I I pass background checks now essentially because it's been over seven years. Yeah. Yeah. In most cases it's either released from prison or released from parole within seven years. That's like the federal guideline. States are free to do what they want. And I'll still never be able to like work for a government or join the military or do certain things. Um, uh, but yeah, but most states I'm, I, I can now get employed. Like they can't hold that against me anymore.
1: Huh? huh. That's, That's kind of uh, weird. Cause it's like, it sounds like a bankruptcy or something dropping off your credit report. And it's, just yeah.
2: It's what, kind of what it's like. It's like the bankruptcy of your your mess ups.
1: <laughs> That's bizarre, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is bizarre, but but it enabled me to have the amazing job that I have now. I just had to stick with it and be persistent. And it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do, but I did it. And I'm in a situation in which I never thought I would be in. When I was younger, I never would have thought I would own a home and have a family uh, and have a good job and and not be worried. Uh, every day about how I'm going to eat or something like that.
1: That's uh, that's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's wild.
0: I, I just have a quick question. Did you get like just really awesome at interviews from doing so many?
2: Oh uh, Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, actually, I got awesome at interviews uh, from uh, prison, to be honest. Oh, uh, okay. So in prison, it's a very uh, intense environment where you have to be extremely, extremely aware of your surroundings and how people around you are feeling when they're Mm -hmm. even when they're not expressing it to you directly so i read books on like body language um and like just like how to like uh you know read people and and how to like communicate better and do a lot of like you know things like that just really for my own safety and it translated into interviews i would know if they're going good or bad okay wow
0: you Do a lot of whiteboarding,
2: uh, yeah. So that was like, yeah, there was a decent amount of whiteboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I guess, just from my past, of like when I was a drug addict and bullshitting, like you get pretty good at bullshitting, you know, they'd be like oh, yeah, you know, we use Redis, you know, and all that. I'm like, yeah, Redis, yeah, like I don't know what it is, right? And I'm just like, yeah, 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 but I like coax them to tell me, like, oh, yeah, I love Redis, but what do you hate about it, you know, like, flip it around that's awesome <laughs> that's really yeah. good
1: uh so uh, i just want to dig in for a minute and and kind of unpack what advice you would have for folks out there that you know have this the same situation where they've got uh they've got a record they're, they're worrying about background checks um do they just not disclose it don't check yes um I, clearly that's what you did but w- would you give that advice to people or
2: uh, I mean, you know, at that level, it's to each their own. I would say know that if you're checking, yes, it's most likely going to be harder, uh, to get a job. And if you, but you know, some people also aren't comfortable checking. No, technically I'm lying. Right. And I don't like that. I actually wrote, uh, an article and it's on medium called I'm an imposter. Uh, and it's not, it wasn't about imposter syndrome, but it was about that up until I was able to come out about my background, I had to lie every single day. So every job that I got where they weren't aware of my background and then somebody would say, oh, where'd you learn how to code? Couldn't tell them where I learned how to code. I would have to switch it up. I would have to change it. I would have to lie, I, you know, explaining what I did in my twenties, you know, cause I didn't go to college. Like, what did I do with this six year gap of my time? And So I'd have to lie. And then that lying wears on you. And, you know, I'm a good guy. I wasn't lying to uh, connive people or do anything like that. I just wanted to be able to, uh, you know, not go back to prison. I want to be able to support myself, but I don't like lying to people. You know, um, it's a terrible feeling and it weighs on you and it weighs on you. So just know that it doesn't last forever. Um, and I say, if I was going to lay out my advice, it would be like this. Number one is like, keep employed. Uh, if you're not employed and you're struggling, uh, for money, um, you know, either you're going to revert back to the things that got you locked up, uh, or the stress is going to distract you from what you need to be focused on, which is continuing to keep your skills updated. It sucks, uh, to be constantly trying to learn while constantly trying to seek work, but you got to stay relevant and know what's going on. And then the one that I think that I wish I had done that I didn't do is try to build out my network because most of my jobs later on in my career came through network. Um, and it would be very easy for me to find out if they did background checks, because as I became comfortable with people and told them my story and I was able to share it, then they would be like, oh, my company doesn't even do background checks. You should apply, you know? Okay. Um yeah. So like, you know, if you're, if you're not building your network, then you're really just a resume in a pile. And so unless you have something that stands out, which you won't because you, you have this work gap, right? You were incarcerated. So you weren't working uh, for that. I just put like consultant, like owned, 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 you know, development company, you know, did like freelance project works and it sucks. And it lies, but like at the, it lies, but at the end of the day, you have to survive until you don't have to do that anymore until you don't have to live the lie. Um, but yeah, I I would say those are my biggest pieces of advice.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are just like, be honest, be honest, be honest and check yes and be upfront with the employer. And we even had a, uh, a hiring panel down here in Orlando where, um, somebody in the audience was like, Hey, I have a record. I can't get hired anywhere. Um, what, what should I do? And they kind of said like, oh, well, you know, just be up front with us. And I, the sad fact is that probably saying like, be up front with us so we cannot waste our time <laughs> interviewing you, Yeah, it's terrible. So, yeah,
2: Yeah, it sounds good when you're on stage being asked a question. But when you have two resumes in front of you, let's say, and you like them both equally in the interview process, right? And you could pick either one. One has a record, has been to prison and the other one hasn't. Where do you think most times people are going to lean? Right, yeah, exactly. They're going to go with the least amount of risk. They're running a business. I get it, um, but at the same time, I got to eat. I got to build experience, and you know, um, yeah. So that's what I did. And like I said, it's not. Um, you know, I'm not saying that that's what everyone should do. If you want to go the honest route, you can do it because eventually, if you stick with it long enough, you know, you will be able to get work in it. So maybe if you have a better support right system, and uh, you have the luxury to to kind of be able to be honest and then find a place. There are companies that will hire people with records. I didn't know that starting out because I knew nothing about the industry. And that's why I feel like building up the network is the biggest part because then you get to learn the industry. Uh, And without knowing like kind of what you're trying to step into, you know, it just becomes very hard. Like I was so tired of like having, you know, so many interviews with so many companies. Like I'm talking a lot. I would put in so many applications. Like, an astronomical amount, 25 to 50, I would try and put in a week. You know, I was wow. doing so many interviews. If I wasn't working, I was interviewing with a company and it was just rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection. So eventually I was like, hey, I got to like switch this up. So I started saying no. And I got through a lot more interviews, like got a lot further in the process immediately.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, the company is always going to look out for their interest and that's just, you know, their business. Yep. Um. So, sometimes you got to make the hard choices and and do what's going to put food on your table, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Because it's either that or you know do something like and don't get me wrong, like yeah, you can also there's other options like working other odd end jobs and I did that, but even for most of those jobs, they still do background checks. Like it was the same situation as applying at McDonald's as it was at applying at these tech companies,
1: right? right. Which is kind of sad. Yeah. Um, Because we're just making it harder on people, you know?
2: Yeah. And then you can get off the books jobs, but I couldn't do that because I'm on parole. So I need a pay stub with taxes taken
1: out. Kind of had the the whole deck stacked against you.
2: Yeah. It's really tough, you know? And, um, like again, I'm not trying to have like a pity party here or do that. I put myself Mm. in this situation. Uh, but this is for other people who are in this situation, right? It's not the pity party for me so that they know they're not alone. And that they can have a future in tech.
1: Well, you know, not only that, but people have worth beyond a mistake they made in their past. You know? It's not like that should be a black mark on you forever. And then oh, we should sure. like exile you from society. That's not how it's supposed to work. You know, despite, yeah. you know, for profit prisons and whatnot. Um, people need to come out of prison and, and reintegrate. And all these background checks and stuff, like, I get it. You know, you don't want somebody dangerous working with you, but at the same time, like People make mistakes and they have to eat and work just like you do. So uh, it, it's really, it's a difficult and I think a sad situation.
2: It is. It's very difficult. And there's so much gray area because let me tell you something. I was incarcerated with some people who I would not want to work with. Um, I would be terrified. And so I would want to know if, uh, you know, there's someone there, but there needs to be a better system other than uh, uh, just like, uh you know, binary system of yes or no. Right? Like there needs to be yeah, some it's,
1: nuance. It's kind of lazy, right? Just like yeah. oh oh you've set foot in a prison, done. You know, yeah. next yeah, candidate. Yeah. Exactly. Um, would you or have you tried in the past like uh doing like freelance or consulting or anything or
2: yeah, so I did. I did also like while I was working odd end jobs, it's just hard to like get I didn't know the industry, so it was hard for me to like get clientele. But I did freelance IT stuff, freelance development, freelance design, anything that I could do to make uh, a couple bucks. But most of the money came from like the odd end jobs I would work, like working at Target or working at McDonald's or all these other places before I would get um, let go.
1: Yeah, I uh, I know that um, Brad Traversy, for instance, um, he came out on YouTube and was talking about how. Yeah, you know, he kind of developed his own freelance business, uh, because he made a mistake when he was younger, and yeah. um, just couldn't get hired traditionally, because of like background checks and that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, it's so. really hard to like start your own business, business professional wise. And again, I still had the issue of parole where I had to have um a paycheck and pay stub, and generally, so that means I would had to do everything, um, you know, hundred percent straight up and like. So, you know, I, first of all, at that point, I didn't know anything about like starting like a uh, uh, a corporation, like something like a C-Corp out of Delaware or something a, a startup would or, you know, people would want to invest in. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't know the difference between an LLC or, or something else. So while you can do that, it's it's generally not an easy avenue. And then you have a lot of expenses that come with operating your own business. Like a lot of times you have to do the work before you get paid, right? That's how that works. Um, And so it can be very hard to uh, uh, stay afloat until you're able to make enough money to pay for the things that come with owning a business like taxes and all that other fun jazz.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So, yeah, just basically stick with it. Don't get down on yourself. Keep working. Uh, Eventually, you know, you'll overcome it. Yeah. I mean, starting,
2: yeah. Starting a business is viable. There have been a lot of people who have got out and done it, but it just, it's definitely not going to be, um, easy to do, but yeah. Uh, if you can, if you know anything about it or know people who do, or you have a support system with people who can help you financially until you get your business off the ground, that is definitely a way to go because once you're business to business, so this is just something else I want to touch on quick, which is what you brought up is business to business. Like removes background checks. Right. Um, So something that I've been thinking about recently and looking at, but um, I'm not able to really start with and would meet a lot of resistance in the prisons would be bringing uh, development training to inmates. So when they get out, they can uh, kind of almost do like a, like a Lambda school thing inside of prison and then when you get out you come and work for the company as an agency right they know you they've trained you they've been working with you for months they you know what i mean so you work right. with them and then the business sources out the the work right and they get paid and then you know i guess you know give them like x percent of your salary or whatever until a certain dollar amount is met but it gives you an instant job instant security um instant stuff so that's something that i've been looking at and talking to a lot of people about um but Hard to do right now.
1: Is that, uh? just curious, is that something that other industries do with inmates, like try and train them while they're in prison and then help them with a the job when they get out?
2: Not as much because, again, there has to be, so a lot of people, there has to be incentive for the prisons. Otherwise, mm, right. they're just losing profit. So what you would have to do is like part of the money that say you would take from salaries from the developers who get out to do that right kind of like a code bootcamp type thing you would actually have to make and put enough into the prison like i guess profit share with them uh so that it's worthwhile otherwise they're not going to accept your program like you'll never get a program going in the prisons uh without having some way to incentivize the prisons
1: that's uh kind of (laughs) unfortunate that's unfortunate because it sounds like a really good idea to help people when they get out of prison you know yeah. to have employment like oh, why be, it,
2: why aren't we doing that as a society because prisons are privatized that's why
1: killing me <laughs> man well um do you have any any other words of advice for anybody out there or
2: yeah just like i know this sounds cliche as can be but like seriously keep your head up keep fighting Eventually you'll be able to get employment without having to hide anything about who you are. Um, And like you said, it's not a black mark on you that should live with you forever. Uh, People have value way beyond things that they do in their past. Um, And if you are in this situation and you want to talk to me further, uh, I am always there to help and you can reach out to me at any time.
1: Cool. Fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, thank you so much for for sharing the story with everybody. I know it's uh you know not something that you probably would feel comfortable talking about, you know, I, necessarily.
2: That used to be true. Um I'm actually fine talking about it now. Uh it, it was definitely scary as all get up when I first um like publicly talked about it, but I the the amount of people who have reached out to me and said that they found like heard my story in some way, whether written or on a podcast, and who who have said like, hey, like I'm gonna keep going at this because of you. You know, that's it far outweighs the anxiety of are people going to judge me now? So
1: That's cool. Yeah, and uh we're we're really thankful that we can, you know, leverage your advice, uh, because like I said, we've we've been asked this. Um you know, with our, with our podcast, and we don't have like global reach or anything. This is just in our community. People are, are popping up and saying like, Hey man, do you have any advice? So I'm really happy that that you could share that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on.
1: Um, before we get into uh, the next bit, um, you have your own podcast, right? Uh, full stack health. Yeah. 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 Can you, can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, shameless plug. Yeah. So Full Stack Health <laughs> is a podcast really that's <laughs> about the intersection of technology and health. And when we say health, that's that's everything that's like from fitness, nutrition, mental health, uh, you know, kind of the whole kind of encompassing feeling. So each month we do a different topic. Uh, and then we have one longer episode where we talk to someone from the community and then as well, generally as an industry professional. Uh, and so like last month we did anxiety this month is burnout. We actually just released our third episode today. So if y'all are, um, uh, listening to this, that means it's out. So you should go and check that one out. It's on burnout, uh, which is something we all deal with a lot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we just, uh, each month, uh, myself and, uh, Amberly, we, uh, get together and talk with people, uh, from both tech community and then communities of, uh, whatever, you know, topic that we're having to be like, uh, For burnout, we actually spoke with uh, Dr. Mimi Winsberg, who is a clinical uh, psychiatrist, and she's also on the psychiatry uh, team at Facebook uh, and works with those people. So it's really interesting to get, you know, a professional medical um, opinion or like a professional's opinion on on whatever the topic is, as well as hear from people in the community experiencing it.
1: Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'll, I'll definitely be checking that out. Um, any other places that people can, can contact you or do you have like a website or Twitter that you want to talk about? Yeah,
2: I, I, have a website, like I blog there once in a while. Most of my blogging is done on like other platforms like Dev2. Really, if you want to reach me, the best way is on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kempel. my full name, K-U-R-T-I-S-K-E-M-P-L-E. And, uh, my DMs are actually open and, uh, I try to get to every message as fast as humanly possible. So please. Uh yeah, that's the best way to reach me.
1: Awesome. Cool. Um at the end of every episode, we do a little segment that we call Nerd Minute where we just talk nice. about like movies or books or comics or whatever we're into. Uh, okay. is there anything that you're you're into lately?
2: Uh yeah, so let's see. Um I'm pretty excited about like the upcoming uh uh Marvel movies. I'm really into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which uh, uh which one are you amped about? So they haven't. Uh, I'm more amped about like the underlying theme. It seems they're going to be bringing Galactus uh, in as oh, one really? of the main villains for like Phase Five, which is like two phases from now. Uh, but that's always been one of my favorite storylines of the comics. Uh, so I'm really excited to see how they bring that to life. Just because I've been so impressed with how they've uh, handled all the other uh, Marvel characters and bringing that story to life. So I, I can't wait to see what they do.
1: So does are that- they? Uh- I,
0: I was just gonna ask: Does that mean they're gonna bring in Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer and stuff like yeah, that?
2: Yeah, that's 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 the word on the street, anyway. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, they've done a not great
1: job with um, <laughs> with Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer in the past, so yeah, uh, exactly. It would be really nice to get the the MCU treatment of of those books and characters.
2: Yeah, I would love for Galactus to not be a giant dust cloud with tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That was that was so bad. Um, yeah, it was terrible. He, he does have kind of a funky outfit so I could see like some eyebrows yeah. going up about like, oh, we're going to put a big pink and blue guy with horns. Uh Yeah, yeah, on the screen and,
2: and <laughs> exactly. And it's funny cuz like that's what I would have said until I saw what they did with uh Thanos.
1: Yeah, like, they made a so big
2: lot. purple guy look yeah. really badass. So, I think that, you know, for if their track record shows anything, it's that they they have a really good way of um bringing the, these characters to life on the big screen
1: yeah they've obviously put a lot of effort and thought uh into that so uh if anybody's read like infinity war that the yeah original book it's yep. really goofy yeah it is so um there's there's a lot of like cosmic marvel is kind of out there and uh they they really kind of reined in a lot of that to make it not overly serious but um maybe not laughable
2: so yeah Absolutely. If they stuck like die hard to the comics, it would be pretty ridiculous. But I, I actually, <laughs> it's, it's like sometimes a movie is better than a book. It's rare, but like, I like the infinity like movies uh, better than I do the, the comic version. So
1: yeah. same. Here. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: He, he like tries to date death, like literally.
2: In yeah. Uh, yeah. The comics. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and that's it's really why goofy. he wants to do it. And it's goofy. It's just goofy. A lot of the characters come off as like really goofy. And I get it. Um, you know, it's a comic book, so you can do a lot more goofy things, yeah. You know? But well, yeah. a
1: comic book from decades ago yeah. all, Right. So right, right. You know, we've kind of got a different perspective on things from back then.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> I, I read Infinity War, I liked it, but it was at parts it's like, what are they even what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> so uh I definitely agree with you on the the movies are are really good. Um there, it was a little dark and game for me personally, but, uh, or, or maybe too somber at the end. But, uh, yeah. uh I'm it really was. hoping that that kind of like the new phase of like the next wave of movies kind of picks up from there.
0: You need to watch Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Have that you seen good. it? Have you seen oh, Spider-Man? Yeah. It's great. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was so good.
1: Yeah. I I want to go see it, but, uh, been trying to find the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not it's not easy i was uh in the movies alone watching that one <laughs> wow oh man <laughs> like my, some, some random day i was like i'm just gonna go see this movie
1: <laughs> yeah my fiance is she's like no i'm done i'm not seeing any super movies
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so, yeah
2: same thing with my wife she's like no i'm good you have fun like
1: exactly yeah she's like i've seen about 10 and i'm done with it so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i did uh i did finally watch um Eddie brought up before in a couple of episodes ago. Uh Brightburn. Oh, okay. oh and, uh, I haven't
2: seen that yet. I wanna see uh, that. It looks crazy. It's yeah. terrible. Don't waste your time. Oh, <laughs> you didn't like it? No. <laughs> I thought it was so bad. It was uh it was
1: campy and yeah. um it had a lot of jump scare kind of stuff in it. Gotcha. Uh, okay. That's yeah, not really in my bag, of, so that might
2: not yeah, work it out. It was
1: like gory without uh a need. Much yeah. Yeah, it was kind of um yeah over the top and then on top of that like the characters made some dumb decisions in it and it just kind of didn't pick up from there and gotcha. so it was yeah, like yeah. b or c movie horror movie kind of stuff i got it yeah. if
2: you have uh amazon prime there's a new series called the boys that was gonna be
1: my cool.
0: pick today
2: <laughs> oh sorry go ahead yeah no no I'll, go I'll, ahead I'll, uh, i was just guys. gonna say I loved it. It was really yeah, a really good take on superheroes. I I was I, like, okay. Uh,
1: I finished it and uh also gory, but definitely way better than Brightburn. I yeah. was going to say
2: there was a bit of of extra gore that was uh, unnecessary at times, but not too much, but it just had a great plot, um great characters, you know, enough that I could look past the little bit of extra gore.
1: It seemed like kind of a um a less refined uh, watchmen kind of
0: i i think i felt the same way yeah
2: yeah yeah that's a really good way to phrase that yeah, yeah.
1: but uh at the same time like a little bit modernized for you know our society yeah it's got a, a lot of like political and kind of big business kind of slant to it did to either really, of you very interesting
0: did either of you uh read it
1: i did, did not oh yeah, I forgot it was uh it was an actual book, right?
0: Yeah. I was started looking into it because I want to read it now. So, uh, now that I, I think oh, it yeah. was Garth Ennis.
1: Is that his name? Okay. Uh I got it. Do you remember the book name? It's the Boys. Oh, the comics, literally the boys? Yeah. I will uh I'll have to check it out.
2: Yeah, same here.
1: Yeah, I know there's it's probably not like a am straight up Marvel or DC, it's probably under like Image or Dark Horse or something like that. Yeah, it was great. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. it's not that it's confirm.
1: Awesome. So, uh I I don't have anything else. Um what about you, Eddie? Uh no, that was
0: going to be what I uh brought up.
1: All right. Well, thank you so so much for for joining us today, uh Kurt, and um talking about your story and, and AWS and yeah, thank and, you. And uh, gushing a little bit over comics with us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh anytime. It was so great to be on. Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to Tech Jr. Head on over to our site at techjr.dev for show notes and past episodes. While you're there, click subscribe to get an email from us once a week with the latest episode and some other goodies. Please also follow us on Twitter at techjrpodcast. You can also follow my personal account at leeworkjr and eddies at ed0ter0. Join us next week where we talk to Will Johnson or the Fresh Prince of JavaScript on Twitter. Will is a member of the Coder or in Kansas City, and we talked to him about getting kids to code and how to keep them interested. So definitely join us for that one. Uh, We also get into using social media to kind of build your brand and how Will has had some success there. Also, we have an email address for the show so you can email us at techjrpodcast at gmail.com and send us any questions that you have or suggestions or comments how you feel about the show anything that you want and we will uh we will get back to you all right that's all we've got this week take care